Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, during this Lenten season, we take the time to reflect on our lives, on our own struggles, our own disobedience, and of the things that, that separate us from you, those things that we call sin. As we move through this Lenten season, drawing closer to the foot of the cross, help us to see ever more clearly the gift of your Son, who lived life in our place, who took our sins upon himself and died on a cross in payment for them. Help us to see the hope that we have in the forgiveness poured out to us by his precious blood which washes us clean and makes us white and whole and pure as we gather this evening to reflect Lord teach us and guide us by your spirit in all things Amen So our, our Latin theme, our midweek theme this year is focused on that, that 53rd chapter of Isaiah and specifically that phrase, by his wounds we are healed. I love that phrase because we don't often think of it this way, but by his wounds I am healed. That means my wounds are healed. What are my wounds? The sins, the things that separate me from God. During this Lenten season, we're looking at the summary or the pinnacle of the law and the Ten Commandments because that's really what defines what sin is in, in our rebellion against God. And last week we saw the first two commandments, and tonight we look at the third one, remember the Sabbath day. By keeping it holy. And so we think about the Sabbath day for a moment. And what it's all about. The word Sabbath itself means, anybody know? Rest. What does that mean, rest? Well, we like to think of it maybe in terms of ah, sleeping in taking a nap, relaxing. All those things might be good, but that's really not what Scripture's talking about. Maybe we like to connect it somehow to that modern-day equivalent that we call recreation. I always thought that's funny that we use that word all the time. Recreation. Have you ever gone into a recreation area? What are people doing? Depends on the recreation area. Boating, skiing, fishing, camping. I always thought that was a curious word because you know where it comes from? It comes from creation. Who's responsible for creation? God. If God's responsible for creation, 
who's the only one who can recreate? Think about that for a moment. You see, when we look at what the Sabbath is all about in our text this evening from the Gospel lesson, what precedes it is rather interesting because it's that, that story about Jesus walking with his disciples through the grain field, through the wheat, if you will, and the disciples take some of the grain and they rub it in their hands and they blow the chaff off and they eat the grain. And it's on the Sabbath. By the way, just out of curiosity, because I'm like from farm country in Nebraska, anybody ever done that? If you do it with wheat, it tastes wonderful because it's nice and sweet and fresh. A few other grains, not so well, but wheat's pretty good. You ever done it with corn? Nolan's going, eyebrows going up. Yeah. Take an ear of corn and just eat it raw off the stalk, nice and sweet. But you know what? The Jewish leaders said doing that kind of thing is work. And you can't work on the Sabbath. You see, what people did back then and what some people do today is they try to help you. And see, I'm going to help Al keep the law. And so I'm going to make all of these other little laws to protect the big law. So that Al, he might, he might think twice in about breaking these laws, and that protects him from breaking the real important one. My favorite example of this, I just love this one is in order to not do any work on the Sabbath, the Jews passed in their ruling council and, and stuff the whole law that on the Sabbath day you were not allowed to walk more than 600 paces from your own land. How they came up with the rule 600, I don't know. Well, anytime you start passing laws, what do people do? They figure out a way to bend the rules to their advantage. And so somebody figured out that if I take some, some containers and I shovel my own land in them, and on the day before the Sabbath I walk 598 paces just to be safe, and I put down uh, a bucket of my land, and then I can walk another 600 and, or paces and put down another bucket of my land, that I can work it out so that on the Sabbath I can walk a mile or two to my neighbor's house and not be breaking the law. Creative, right? You think that they're creative? We do the same thing, folks. Pastor, you know, it's better for me to be out in the woods thinking about God rather than to be in church thinking about being out in the woods. Really? I love the way that it's said in our epistle lesson this evening, that last portion. And it's talking about the whole idea of the festivals and the moons and the Sabbath. And he says this, And not holding fast to the head, that is to Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. When we choose to absent ourselves from the observation of the Sabbath and from worship and the Word of God, we cut ourselves off from the growth of God.
culture has put more and more pressure on our Sabbath. When I was younger, there weren't any sports activities at all on Sunday except for the NFL. I'll get back to the NFL shortly. But kids sports? No. What we see today, it's all over the place. What's the excuse? Well, nobody goes to church anymore. Or most of the kids don't go to church. Well, duh, why? Because you have their practice or their games on a Sunday. We used to be a little more strict about this even in the church. When I grew up, and I think about this, and I'm going to lay a little guilt on us here too. When I grew up, voters' assembly meetings were never held on Sunday. They were always on what night? Monday night. Did you know that? Monday nights. Some of them might have had them on Saturdays. You know why Monday nights in most areas, though? Because the farmers can make it Monday night. When did it change? Remember, I mentioned it earlier. Monday night football. Well, why didn't the ladies say something? Because they weren't allowed to vote at the time. Think about it. Our culture has shifted and changed. And the whole way we think about the Sabbath has changed. And the way that we think about it is, well, I got to go to church. Or I got to do this, or I got to. That's not what God wants with our hearts. He doesn't want to think about it as got to. That's pharisaical thinking. I gotta live under the law this way. Jesus said, What? The Sabbath is made for us so that we can connect to God, so that we can spend time with Him and be rejuvenated and renewed and refreshed and forgiven and empowered. You see, when we gather for worship, when we minister to one another, when we celebrate in song, when we hear the word of God, when we pray for one another, God is working. And he's working in our midst, growing us together and knitting us together so that we can what? Be refreshed to engage the world. Rest is not about getting more sleep. It's not about stretching out in a hammock somewhere out in the woods. It's about connecting to God. It's about strengthening those bonds and being renewed, nourished with his grace and his mercy and his love. The third commandment, it's vital and it's important. 
I think I've told this story, but I never quite always remember. Because I only have like 20 stories that I just tell over and over. But oh, my home pastor that has since been called home to heaven shared with, with us one time, he said, I was in my office and the phone rang. And I picked up the phone and a mom was on the other end and she started chewing me out. And he said, I actually had to hold the phone a little bit away. Those are in the old phone days, you know. And she's chewing me out, and it took me a while to figure out what she's saying, but she's chewing me out because her daughter came home and told her that she was pregnant. And, and he said, I made out from what she was saying. She was saying, didn't you teach my daughter anything in confirmation class? Didn't you teach her the Ten Commandments? And, and, and that sixth commandment about adultery? And pastor says, yes, I did. And she says, well, uh, I, and he says, ma'am, can I ask you a question? She says, yes. What's the third commandment? And she says, remember the Sabbath day? Then why haven't I seen you or your daughter in church since the day she was confirmed? Click. Parents, the greatest responsibility that God ever gives to us, and I can say grandparents now too, is to see that our children, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren are raised in the nurture of the Lord. That they're connected to their Savior Jesus Christ in worship, in Sunday school, and every chance we get to raise them up so that they know what a cross is, that it's not just a piece of jewelry. That they know more than just Christmas is about Santa Claus and Easter is about the Easter Bunny. That they know who Jesus Christ is and His incredible love for them, a love that sustains them each day in their lives. There is no greater responsibility that we have than to care for our children in that way. Well, you'll hear more about that next week, I hope, with the fourth commandment. But we need to have our kids. We need to teach them. And we together need to understand what it means to worship as a community. So many people today treat worship as optional in our culture. I was reading a story again the other day that in some parts of our world where Christians live and churches are far and few between that literally some Christians will walk. They'll leave home on Saturday and walk to get to church on Sunday where they spend the full day on Sunday with their fellow Christians and then they walk home sometimes upwards of 50 plus miles one way could you get your average American to do that we look out the window and if it's not quite sunny enough we make an excuse we need to recommit to worship 
Sabbath, to being in the Word and in prayer. Jesus heals us from our sinful wounds, but he went to a cross to do it. May we walk in his grace and be renewed by his spirit to recommit to serving him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.